you're actively watching the game is what you're saying. You got it on mute. Right. In the background. You're be like looking down every couple of days. Like, huh. Yeah. That's what I feel like most people would assume I was doing, but now it's in another room on mute. So afterwards, when it's over, I can run over to the other room, see what the score is. But now I got to give you all my undivided attention. I can't be watching the game in the corner. Respect. Respect. <laughs> uh, but welcome, listeners, to the next episode of the Banquet Hall podcast. Uh, this is a very special episode. I'm being joined by two guests at once, and I'm looking forward, one, to seeing the handshake. Oh, the, the visual <laughs> listeners, they got a treat, a little handshake going there. <laughs> uh, but welcoming Devon and Sinclair to the podcast. How are y'all doing today? Thank you, Kane. We are we are blessed, highly favored, had a what we call a million-dollar day. Doesn't mean we actually made a million dollars today. Don't come for us. <laughs> but we had, you know, what we would consider a million-dollar day. How you doing, Queen? I'm good. It was a very productive day. Mm. Like at some point, I was like, hey, we got a lot of stuff done. Bobbing. It's only 11 a.m. Come Bobbing. on. Right. Come on, right. us. Uh, yeah, doing, doing well. Doing well. A million dollar day. I haven't heard anyone refer to their day as a million dollar day. So talk to me a little bit more about what what makes up a million dollar day. And are there also thousand dollar days? How does that work? Oh, there are for sure thousand dollar days. <laughs> there are for sure thousand dollars. There are ten dollar days. <laughs> <laughs> dollar tree days. <laughs> That's it. Man. Uh, but for for us, and uh, I'll speak for myself specifically, and Queen, if you have a different remix definition, feel free to sprinkle it in. But when we see ourselves as millionaires, there's just a certain, I think, yeah, yeah, shout out to the melanated, me, 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 mm, say it, mm. melanated Mel- bear, twister. Millionaires in the, in the making. I was the one who used to struggle. One more time. <laughs> Marinated, wow, marinated. <laughs> marinated too. Melanated married millionaires in the making. Boom. I feel like there's a certain level of work ethic that comes with that. There's a certain level of execution that mm-hmm. d- goes with that. And just having a list and getting those things done. It can be the like the most basic list. It can be I'm doing laundry. I'm cleaning my office. I'm cleaning my car. And I'm going to call my mom. If you did everything on that list, hey, that's a million dollar day because you did what you said you're going to do. And one day you're going to put action items on that list that are actually going to make you a million dollars. Now, for us, it was a lot of sales calls today, calling mm-hmm. folks, uh, high schools, uh, middle schools, trying to get Play Black Wall Street into their curriculum, trying to get speaking engagements for Black History Month. Uh, we got new IDs today. We went grocery shopping with some nice healthy food. And we shopped at Sprout, so you know it was a million dollar day. Went to the gym. Went to the gym in the morning. Oh. First thing um so yeah there was just a lot of lot of activity a lot of execution and I feel like it's more about it's not about again like we made a million dollars today it's about not yet it's about the habit of Mm. like what are the habits of a millionaire and did I do those habits today right reading walking working out right uh like you said calling your mom right (laughs) whatever whatever to you whatever those habits are when you imagine yourself as a millionaire Doing those on a daily basis uh, will get you your million million dollar days. For sure. Hey, from where I sit, I think y'all might be selling y'all days short. I mean, I heard Sprouts. I heard going to the gym. We, I think by the end of this episode, we're going to call it a billion dollar day. That's that's my no, declaration for today. Do it. Billion dollar days. I'm not against it at all. At all. February is going to be a bunch <laughs> of billion dollar days, to be honest with you. Facts. The way it's lining up right now. Ooh, manifest manifest Kyler <laughs> hey I got the manifestation over here we speaking that into existence uh, we gonna need a new shirt for the billion dollar days I don't know what kind of tongue twister we gonna have with the with the billion dollar days <laughs> billion <laughs> uh but I always like to start these episodes with getting to know a little bit about where our our guests are from 
Uh, I have a lot of love for my hometown and I like to give people an opportunity to shout out their hometown. Uh, so Sinclair, why don't we start with you? Like, where are you from and what does that mean for you? I am from Riverside, hey. California. Hey. Um, literally grew up like 15 minutes away from where we are right now in Moreno Valley. Um, and what that means to me, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like at least like when I went to, don't give me that look. I feel I'm like when sure what you're about to say, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It's always an interesting start. <laughs> I made friends with a lot of people from LA. And so when I moved to, uh, I lived, I was born and raised in the Inland Empire. Um, and then when I went to Davis, we met at UC Davis. Uh, I just literally looked around and everybody that I was around was from LA and everybody kept hating on Riverside. That's <laughs> nothing to do with IE. So I feel like I, I developed a strong sense of pride after that. So I'm just mm. like, y'all not going mess around on, on my hometown. Mm. I love Riverside. It's a nice place to raise a family. You, I always say the best thing about Riverside is that you are close to whatever you want to do, but you don't have to live in the hustle and bustle. You don't have the downtown LA feel, but you have 45 minutes away till the beaches. You got Big Bear, which is 45 minutes away. You got LA, which is 45 minutes away. You got San Diego, which is 45 minutes away. Everything's just a 45 minute drive. I feel like that 45 might be a little generous on that 91, depending on what day we talking. Without traffic. <laughs> Without traffic. Hey, I, I got a rep for my city, I told you. And I, I feel like, yeah, that 45 minutes, you might be pushing it a little bit. But I'll, I'll give Riverside a shine. I know a lot of dope people from Riverside. So shout out to all of our listeners from the Inland Empire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. San Diego's a lot of love out there. We, we spent some good time in San Diego. I've had a lot of good times in Oceanside, San Diego, Escondido, all that whole area. Love San Diego. Oh, yeah. Devon, uh, what about you? Where are you from? So I'm from a lot of different places. I've spent most of my life in the San Fernando Valley around the Canoga Park area, Winneka area. Uh, spent a little bit of my life in Tarzana for elementary school. Lived in Seattle for, uh, I think, a year or two years when I was younger. Was born in Inglewood. Just so, I, for what that means to me is I'm very adaptable. Mm -hmm. Lived in a lot of different places. Lived in Santa Barbara, lived in Carpinteria, lived in... Uh, Port Wanimi with the Queen, Davis, Marino Valley, the San Fernando Valley. So, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty adaptable, but I don't have a comfortable place that I will like, this is home yet. That's why I'm excited about our next stage and like being in Riverside, having our mm. family sit down our roots because then Riverside will become home. And all of you remember, I used to say, I can't wait to find like our usual donut spot, That's our right. usual restaurant mm. spot. It's like, I'm the type of person, I like my routine. I like my habits, Kyler. So it's like once I find that restaurant, that donut shop, yeah. food spot, that gym, like I'm the person that go in there, knows all the names, knows the hours, brings people stuff for Christmas. And like it's special, special yeah, things. Special not special things and stuff. Yeah, that's just the, the type of swag that I have. So I look forward to putting down some nice deep roots and trees out here in Riverside. Well, that's beautiful. I like the finding your routine donut shop. I feel like y'all gonna have me in my feelings by the end of this podcast if we talk about y'all's relationship too much. But <laughs> I, I know that, um, I know that Devon. Anytime I've heard you talk about Sinclair, it's always Queen, Queen, Queen. I've never, mm -hmm. and I'm not. He, I promise he didn't pay me to say this. I promise he didn't pay me to say this. You're like but I've to say that this week, <laughs> like fourth, bro. Everyone says that. 
No, nah, it's true. I've never heard him not refer to you as queen, like the queen, his queen. Like you can search my text messages. It'll be queen, 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 queen. So uh, right. it's great to be able to finally meet you on the podcast, I will say. And I'm happy that I'm not the only person that I've said that this week. Yeah. No, literally almost like every other person I think I meet that's at least affiliated with him on the work side is like, I'm sorry, I don't actually know your name. I only know you as queen. I'm like, that's totally that's fine. fine. That's, that I'm not mad at that at all. Oh yeah, and I'll, I'll cash. I'll cash up you that fifty dollars later, Kyler. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's that's a true statement because when I was preparing for this podcast, I found out how to spell your name by looking at the about section on PlayBlackWallStreet.com because I only knew you as Queen. Uh, but you mentioned that y'all met at UC Davis, so I want to hear a little tidbit or as much as you want to share about how y'all met and just like where y'all relationship has gone not the whole you're not going to give us the whole story how far y'all evolved from uc davis to now but uh just looking back at when y'all met and where y'all are now oh yeah oh you're looking at me so i'm gonna, I'm gonna give my version <laughs> of the story Go ahead. all right cool so basically we were in this program called linda francis alexander LFA, Linda Francis Alexander Scholars Program, similar to a EOPS or a STEP program where you come in a month before. For us, it was a week before, moved inside the dorms. Of course, we lived on the African-American theme hall at UC Davis. Shout out to all my C2, C2. alumni in the building, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and we did like a icebreaker first day, right? And on the icebreaker, they had you uh, find somebody and you played like a, a bingo game where you ask all types of questions, where you're from, what's your hobby, favorite food, major, stuff like that. So they're like, all right, y'all, get up and find a partner. Now, you know what I'm saying, Kyler? I had already scoped out this beautiful- <laughs> Done the pre-work. Intelligent, melanated queen right here. I did my homework and, you know, there was a group of us, we were all talking and I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna go ahead and talk to that young female right there. Didn't know your name at that point. Um, but she got up to see who's going to be her partner. She looked all confused. Oh, I don't know who I'm going to pick. <laughs> Where am I going? And I was on a mission. I got up. I looked directly at her, started walking beeline right towards her. And I was like, hey, sweet partners. And then the rest is pretty much pretty much history from there. There's, you know, a few details we can go into after that. I'll get into the details. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Boyfriend at the time. That's the detail. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> yes. <yeah>, so <laughs> I made that very clear that I wasn't necessarily looking. He didn't care. And he was like, you're you're going to be my girlfriend. I was like, oh, wow. Hmm. OK, well, we'll see about that. Manifest. Yeah. Three months later, there we were dating. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the detail he's referred to. Um, but yeah, we, we pretty much, so that program was in September by the end of December, December 23rd, uh, we were, we were dating and mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the rest is, the rest is history. We've been together now for, is it 11 or 12? It's 11. 11 It's going to be 12 this December this coming year. up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So dating, uh, 11 years, give or take and married for three and a half. Hey, well, congratulations. We love seeing Black Love on the podcast. Thank you. Um, and I think that's a testament to your ability to manifest, too. I mean, we talked about manifesting a billion dollar day. Uh, you manifested y'all's relationship. You did the pre-work. And I think that might be the theme of the episode of just that manifestation. For sure. And and pushing past perceived barriers, because mm -hmm. I think and I say this in a, in a respectful, respectful way that, you know, she had she had her boyfriend. 
But in my head, in the future, she was still my girlfriend, still my wife, still mother of my children. Even like earlier on in that time, like I still had that type of vision where it's like, no, I see my life with you. And mm. although I was shooting my shots, I was still kind of, I was tiptoeing on the line. You know, I never crossed over any huge disrespectful lines. Um, but I feel like in life all the time, there's all types of barriers to what we want in our dreams, whether it's starting that business, writing that poetry book, right? Because we mm -hmm. know we got bars, uh, starting that podcast, uh, starting a health coaching company. Now, there's always barriers that get in the way, but are you willing to stay consistent and persistent and push past those barriers? That he was consistent, <laughs> consistent, corny, Corniest lines. Corny lines. Corniest lines. Man, but I mean, they worked, so. Mm, they always do in the rom-com, so why would I not use a corny line? You're right. I mean. It... Listen, I don't know a rom-com where the smooth brother wins. Think about we it. Might have to, we might have saved that for the dating episode, but that's a good question. Yeah. Is there is there a rom-com where, because Love Jones, he lost. Because the smooth brother is always an a-hole. Boom. <laughs> hey, you said it best, better hey, than me. Boom! Y'all better keep using these corny lines. <laughs> was there a corny line that stood out, or what's the, what's oh, the gem right. corny line? Go ahead. There, there's two. There's two. You can say both, Sinclair. I don't know exactly which two he's talking about, but I know one of them for sure is I was wearing a dress that had flowers on it. It was mm -hmm. a black dress with flowers on it. And we, again, we were on the same floor. So he was all of like three doors down. Um, and this was so, downstairs. We were coming home from Dr. Eldridge's house. The fact that you remember. Of course I remember. You've worn that dress to Dr. Eldridge's. You can check the picture. There's a picture with me, you and Corey. You're standing in the middle with the dress it's on. The dress. Okay. I still have the dress <laughs> to cover okay. up. Anyways, maybe I'm getting confused. But long story short. I knew which dress you were talking about, too. Mm. I had a floral dress on. And in long story short, he looks at me and he goes, Man, I wish I was a bee right now. Buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> I was like. And what I want y'all to take note on, fellas, is yeah. that it's been 10 years since I said that line. And she still remembers. She still smiles like she's 17, 18 years old. Well, she was 17 back then. But she still smiles. Look at that. 10 years, Kyler. Because it was like corny, like past the the spectrum. It, well, it was just like, wow, did he he really he really said it and yes. like full fledged, like not with any hesitation. None. I think like that's what I liked about it is that mm. it, like, he just had no like he was just fully himself and he didn't really care. And I was just like, dang, this guy is kind of he's corny, but he's funny and he's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I was the other one you're talking about chocolate. Of course. Okay. okay. There's so, two. Yeah. <laughs> There's two that are just right here on the frontal lobe. So our first official date, we went to a Mexican restaurant. Tres semanas. Tres semanas. Shout out. We ordered <laughs> some food. And so we're sitting there. Mind you, we're already friends. So, but we're just like, okay, let's get in, get to get to know each other on this level now. Mm. And so we're sitting there and he's like, so. And, you know, he does a little like lick his lips, you know, do the I'm nose saying. thing, like. You know you about to come with something real smooth Fire. afterwards. Fire. Fire. Tell you he was filming. He's like, so you like chocolate? <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that answer. And I was like, mm, no, not really. And I just looked at him and his face went from like the most confident, like, <laughs> to like blank and like, and he was just like, I don't 
I didn't actually have a plan B. Like I didn't. Yeah, that wasn't in the script. I was going to say it yes. And I just started busting up laughing because I was just like, yeah, you didn't plan for that, dude. <laughs> and he doesn't like chocolate either. That was the funniest part. It was like, yeah, that that just had me laughing so hard because he didn't try to like come up with another line or it, he was just truly like, oh, OK, well, that's all I got. And that 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 is what made the line iconic. Once again, Kyler, 10 years later, still smiling. Hey, I, I wrote it down on the little notepad I got right here. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a be put on game. I think our listeners, y'all tuned in to hear about Play Black Wall Street, but y'all getting solid dating advice, it looks like. And we only at the beginning of the episode, so I'm excited. Listen, a majority of millionaires out there are married. So if you're mm. interested in being a millionaire, finding your loved one is actually a great step. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm here for it. I want to transition briefly to talk about how we met Devon. I mentioned that Sinclair and I, we literally met, I think, 25 minutes ago on this very Zoom call. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, but Devon and I go back like faux flats on the Cadillac yeah. to really our days in admissions. Uh, I remember my first engagement with you was at the NACAC College Fair in Atlanta, Georgia, and I just remember I was sitting next to the table and Devon was spitting game at these students about coming to UC Riverside. <laughs> oh, I was trying to get them. And they was not having it from Atlanta. They was like, it's, like, nah, it's right. way too expensive, bro. <laughs> Kelly. But I just remember listening to how you was talking to the students. I'm like, oh, he's a salesman. Like, he is a businessman. I was like, let me, let me get deeper in my bag. Because the way you was talking about the school and whatnot. I was like, man, have I been to that campus? Like, <laughs> are we talking about the same? Like, can, can I go back? <laughs> right, because I mean, everything relative when you're a whole other state. I just remember you said something like, "Oh yeah, like we not that far from the beach." I was like, "Y'all not that far from the beach." <laughs> All relative. <laughs> uh, not too far from LA. You want to go to Disneyland? We got Disneyland right there. Yeah, I was. I was at my table looking like, hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to cramp your style, but he lying to you. Are you like, no. cat? <laughs> right, I wanted to call cat because I'm talking about San Diego. We actually close to the beach. So I'm like, oh, y'all think they close to the Our beach? We're close to the beach. Um, but I just remember afterward just dapping you up and you was just the coolest person I ever met. It was like, oh, this is Brother Devon, like spinning game and when you in admissions life, like you just sitting at the table talking to a bunch of kids, answering the same question over and over and over again. So I think it's always amazing when you make a connection with somebody else who's doing similar work as you. And I thought that friendship would have just ended at the admissions table, but here we are now. Look at that. What, four years later? Five years later? Jeez. No, that's five. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. It's five. That's wild. Mm. Oh, wow. Shout out to friendships shout out to friendships and i remember one of the first i think events that i came to that you hosted in san diego it was in the southeast you had like a nice poetry slam set up you had art vendors set up um yeah it was a, just a dope vibe right to see because i'm always the the community person but it was a dope vibe to be like someone else who's not only working these long nine to five days in admission because <laughs> those days were long but has the energy, has the passion to go out after their nine to five and still be in the community doing that work. So yeah, of course we stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. And the open mic you talk about is black expression. I remember you came to that and like you said, you love the community and you got up on the mic. I was able to get you up on the mic. I think you wrote something on like a little notepad. He was, he was spinning bars that night. Quick, something about black wall street. I couldn't literally, I, I wrote it 
right there wow. during the thing. Come on. Impressive. Thank you, Queen. You know, I try to do what I can. You know, some, some. Love Jones. <laughs> <laughs> the, the winning edition. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, audio listeners, if y'all haven't already, I highly suggest hopping over to YouTube or Spotify, looking at the video, just so you can see the facial reactions that I'm seeing, because... I think, Devon, you have like a very expressive face right now, and it's adding to the humor of the episode a lot. So make sure that y'all get an audio and visual this evening. Oh, yeah. Full holistic experience. Go ahead and hop over. Spotify got video? Yeah, you can upload a video episode of Spotify. Yeah, we can. Okay. We're learning new things every day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I did. So we used to be on Anchor for our podcast. We just switched over to Buzzsprout. So I mm. need to check if we're able to do that from Buzzsprout. But Anchor was rocking with us with the videos. Yeah, that's why I published through his Anchor right now. So, uh, But while we're on the topic of podcast, might as well let the listeners in on what y'all doing with y'all's podcast. So talk to me a little bit about the podcast that y'all do. Uh, Queen, you feeling good about this one? Sure. Go ahead. Well, I am wearing the shirt. Come on. Uh, so we host the Melanated Married Millionaires in the Making, a.k.a. the M4 show. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week we got different episodes. Um, and we're really just talking about building general generational wealth as a family unit yeah. um, and as a married couple and what that means. Um, talk about mindset. We talk about uh, wellness. We talk about uh, real estate investing. Real estate mm-hmm. investing. Life insurance, intellectual property, business structures, trying to um, get a, an expert on trusts on the yep. podcast. Um, so just a well-rounded trying to trying to be a resource for everybody who's like us, like trying to. There's so many folks out there that are trying to take their families to the next level and so many folks who are trying to be first generation millionaires. And so if we're all on the same path, we're all on the same journey, like let's help Let's let's document our journey. Let's help other folks, you know, take them along with us because nobody wants to get to the top and be the only ones there. So we're trying to create that tribe, that village, that community of folks who can not only, uh, you know, achieve that millionaire status, but also um, just be able to pass that down to the future generations and do it as a as a group so we can live life together. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can I sprinkle something? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Sprinkle. So what percentage of Black America would you think is married, Kyler? Ooh, what percentage of Black America do I think is married? Yeah, if you if you had a guess based on your experience, your friends, or an educated guess, what percent of Black America would you say is married? I would say 38%. Ooh, your boy's good. Your boy is good. 30, 31% of Black Americans are married. 50% have never been married. And although Black Americans make up 13% of the population in the United States, we only make up 2% of the millionaires, Black Mm. families, right? So when we think about how can we make a small difference in the community, it's literally one, supporting Black love and promoting Black love on a a consistent basis, right? We like to be able to put our relationship kind of on a, a spotlight a little bit just to talk about relationships. We bring married couples on, some with businesses, some without businesses, who are then, again, able to just talk through their experience as a married couple, why they got married, what helps them stay happily married, Mm -hmm. uh, and also talking about how do you secure the bag? How do you build wealth within your community, within your family? And then how do you pass down that wealth to your kids? So again, like the queen said, we're just trying to be that go-to source for black families that are trying to, or that are building wealth. I love that. I was going to ask what makes your podcast different than other podcasts trying to get black millionaires. But I think that that answer really encompasses it because I don't hear a lot of people 
talking about the family aspect or the relationship aspect of it, I feel like with a lot of black millionaire thing that I see, there's a lot of I, there's a lot of individualism in that. But I think the we is so important because like Sinclair said, you get to the top and you look around, it's just you up there. Like, was it, was it worth it? Like, what does that mean? One of the biggest things that we talk about consistently is balance actually in the relationship. Like specifically for couples that have a business together, how do you balance the relationship versus balancing the business? Mm -hmm. Who plays what role in the business? And then we also talk a lot about just balance in the marriage period and how much do you grind and work and whoever's the the breadwinner versus how much do you go on vacation get the massages and just love on each other Mm. Um, and then we're also still very corny so that's another thing that makes our (laughs) podcast we're going to give you those gems we're going to give you the game you're going to learn but at the end of the day we are we are corny people and we we're us on the podcast Yeah. yeah and i think that when you're going on any any journey right it it you reach those obstacles and i think what we've both both definitely experienced is hitting those obstacles and then being kind of nudged along right mm. by the other person mm. uh, we both have our like we literally just talked about this the other day where it's like i think you asked the question like do we ever not believe in the other person mm-hmm. ben ben asked ben that. yeah he yeah. asked that and the answer was no but we we both have had situations where we didn't believe in ourselves, but mm. the other person did, and that mm. helped us along the way, right? It's like their belief, his belief in me helped me keep going in this journey because there was a time where I was, you know, the imposter syndrome, right? Where yeah. I maybe, well, maybe was questioning myself for a little bit and not fully believing in that I could ex- do ex- all, all the things that I wanted to do. But he was like, girl, you're tripping. Trip. Like you're, you're this amazing person, right? So I think it helps having that person in your corner to believe in you when you start to doubt yourself because that's inevitable i think if you mm-hmm. ever waver in your doubt of yourself then hey more power to you but i think the average person does hit those roads where it's like hey can i do this and right. I think having that having that person that is literally living with you right mm-hmm. knows you so well is so helpful to have that person to just nudge you and like let's talk about your insecurities like because sometimes we don't realize how irrational they are mm-hmm. and to actually have somebody to talk through that like dang, you're right. I really am tripping. Like (laughs) I really am, you know, just having this, it's all in my head. Um, And so I think it's really, really, really helpful. Um, The married aspect, the having a partner um, is very helpful. I think in the road to becoming a millionaire, the road to, you know, gaining generational wealth, the road to just accomplish any goal that you set out to. I think it's so much easier when you have somebody to do it with. Hey, y'all saw me. Uh, why don't you give the podcast one more quick plug uh, where folks can find it? What's it called? I want to give out too much free game on my podcast. They need to tune into y'all's to hear the rest of the story. Hey. Respect, respect. Well, if you are interested in tapping into the Melanated Mary Millionaires in the making show, you can head to the M4show.com. That is T H E M, the number four S H O W.com. The M4show.com live episodes every single week over 146 available for you to consume and invest your time in today we'll see you there that was good thank you we'll take a that was good yeah. make it a <laughs> right. you chop that up make it a real make it some uh, <laughs> content. name of the game <laughs>
Hey, that is the name of the game. And that that sounded perfect to me. So you'll definitely be able to get that little snippet from the podcast. (laughs) Uh, But let's transition to talk about play Black Wall Street. I think we talked a lot about kind of what it means to be in business with your partner and just the foundation of y'all's relationship, which I know Devon explicitly said this, but it's all over the marketing. It's all over the website. Like, I think that y'all's relationship is such a core piece of all the beautiful work that y'all do for play black wall street for community um to the point where i thought i knew sinclair like prior to even uh-huh. starting this podcast just because of how like together i think your whole brand is so why don't you talk a little bit about the origins of play black wall street and the origins of that idea yeah uh do you want us to to give you all the sunshine and rainbows or should we go through some of the stone the storms bumps in the road what, what, what you want hmm. give me the uh, true authentic version of the story <laughs> <laughs> Y'all buckle up. Mm. Um, so the first business that we actually started was called TH4, True Health Forever. And we started that kind of got birthed out of college. We were going into our health journeys. Uh, I think we went vegetarian for the first time. And then we're like, oh, that's too hard. Let's just go uh, no beef or pescatarian. Um, but leaving college, we were still like, we want to start forming those healthy habits now. So that when we do get married, when we do have kids, there's a culture of health, right? So leaving college, that's what we were doing. And the first business that we started was called True Health Forever. It had four pillars, Kyler. Economic health, physical health, spiritual health, and social health, right? Uh, so, you know, we had our website popping, you know what I'm saying? We had the YouTube channel with terrible videos popping. You know, we had the Instagrams with the terrible pictures on there. Just every, everything was just so 2000 and. 16 (laughs) when i look back at it um but our first physical product that actually came to life was black wall street the board game right we got the the first edition right here um and it came about because i worked this summer camp uh it's called the the village nation uni camp up in big bear co-hosted by ucla and in that camp uh, basically everyone has to come up with a camper name long story short the camper name that i chose to use as a counselor was black wall street because I learned about it in AAS class, AAS 10 with Dr. Andrea Smith-Moore, shout out. Um, and yeah, I just love the concept, love the power of what Black Wall Street represented. None of these students knew what Black Wall Street was, Kyler. Literally, none of them. So leaving the, the camp, I was like, all right, how can we figure out a way to teach them uh, this history? Because I feel like it's history that people should know that specifically Black students should know. I called up the queen. I was like, queen, I want to make a board game based on the history of Tulsa Black Wall Street. She was like, brilliant. So brilliant, it probably already exists. I was like, hmm, you might be right. Hopped on the Google, hopped on the internet. Yeah, hopped on the Google. Google. I'm born in the 90s. (laughs) Hopped on the Google. And um, yeah, unfortunately, all of the Black Monopoly type games that we were seeing on the internet were like stereotype based, drugs, baby mama drama, jail, just a lot of stuff that I felt like, you know, may appear in the community, but isn't in the fabric of our identity and our culture and shouldn't be something that we perpetuate. Right. So I was like, this ain't it. Let's read some more books. Right. Let's watch some more documentaries and let's take the real history. Let's take the essence of black excellence that Tulsa Black Wall Street represented. Let's take real financial terms and make an actual educational game from this history. Um, so that's that's kind of where the idea came from. If you got business questions on the ups and downs, we can get into that. But that's the idea. I feel like I talked too much. I'm gonna stop there. 
That was that was relatively succinct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was way more succinct. I was ready to just sit here for like 10 more minutes. Oh, come on. Uh well, yeah, you got I I can keep going on the story, but I I didn't I it felt like I was talking for a while, but I can keep going. Tell them about the or I can tell them about the Kickstarter. Uh <laughs> go ahead, cool. Yeah, let's talk about the Kickstarter. I feel like that's where I got introduced to play Black Wall Street. I could try to tell it like you tell it. Or right. yeah, I could let you tell it. Tell tell it the way oh, this is entertaining for me. Tell it the way <laughs> why not? Tell it the way I would say it. Feel free to use a deep voice as well. <laughs> I can't even go close to your voice. No. Your voice is so deep. All right, so... <laughs> I, can't, I can't even sustain it. <laughs> so, uh, no, I can't. I'm not, I'm not even going to be able to. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. You know, uh, I felt like I was going to choke. I'm not going to lie no. to you. <laughs> you got it. Um, so we were trying to figure out how are we going to fund our first round of games. Um, so anybody who tried to create a product, you know, that there was no, no dropping drop shipping available for, for a board game. custom board game. Right. No. Yeah. So you have to go the route of mass producing them. Um, and so we were trying to figure out where we were going to do that. And I, and I say, we, this was really, truly him mm -hmm. at this point. I was just consulting, helping out with the tasks that he needed me to do, um, like the rule book, mm -hmm. but. Um, he was trying to figure out how are we going to fund this board game. Um, so we we heard of Kickstarter. We wanted to to try the Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is, if you don't know about Kickstarter, it's you set a goal. And if you don't reach the goal, if you reach it, you get everything. If you don't reach it, you get zero. And so it's different than some of the other platforms. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why we ended up going with it now that I think about it. But we went with Kickstarter because games traditionally have a good success rate on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is really good mm -hmm. for games specifically. I see. I see. That's why. Um, but we set the goal $25,000. When I tell you, and okay, I, I could have shouldn't jump ahead. That was the goal. $25,000. At the same time, he was also listening to Dame Dash, right? So Dame Dash was, Dame Dash is Dame Dash. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, if you real, mm -hmm. you ain't got to market. Talk that talk. If you real, mm -hmm. you just got to put it out there and everybody will come to you. Tell them. So he was like, I'm real. <laughs> I don't got to market. All I got to do is put the game out there and everybody going to come and support it. Oh, false. Man, so false. So false. Ugh. So we made this beautiful board game. Got the Kickstarter up. And we made like $4,000. So we got none of that. It all got refunded. We went back to everybody. And uh, he almost quit. He almost quit and was like, well, I guess this wasn't a good idea. But, you know, um, we talked through it. We decided to basically fund it ourselves. And so we put up the little money we had and funded the first round of 250 games. We just went with kind of a smaller quantity mm -hmm. to get started. So we funded the first round of 250 games and sold out within like what, three months. Yep. Yeah. Sold out within like three months. Um, and so, you know, I think that was, that was, I think a lesson on like, you gotta, you gotta really one market. That was like the biggest lesson, a, a really <laughs> tough lesson to learn on marketing. And, you know, when we think about it, I think if we think back to it, had we been successful, I don't think we would have ever known how to market no. because mm. it was just like the first thing we did, right? We just got $25,000 and now we get to get all these games. Um, so I think that that was a, a good lesson for us that we're still learning. 
um, on how to write, how to market, how to define the product, how to uh, get the right message. All of these lessons that he now teaches, you know, other folks on how to start their businesses because we've learned it throughout these mm -hmm. all of these obstacles throughout these years. So like how to like how to get clear on your message and who you're talking to. How do you reach them? Uh, your customer avatar, like yep, all yep. these talk that talk. Come on, yeah. Come on. <laughs> No, queen. Um, but yeah, all those things that that may really make it clear on who your audience is, and I think that that's what we were not clear on on Kickstarter. Of course, without any mm. market, you uh -uh. put something out called Black Wall Street, and nobody knows what Black Wall Street is. They're not going to connect with it. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of the first obstacles we went through. Yeah, well done. See you. Thank well you. Done. Yeah, I think that was excellent. Um, I think also as I was preparing for this podcast. And I was thinking of questions to ask y'all and where I wanted to go with the conversation. I started to think back to when I would see like the Kickstarter and the first edition of Play Black Wall Street. And especially I think now with hindsight being 2020 and now that I've just recently finished my uh, MBA, like I see the business process. Like, Come on. yeah, of you course. Now go just buy, buy right, right. That. Like, that's not a big thing. You know, just got my, yeah, you're right. I got, I got to treat every episode like it's the first time I'm saying it. But yes, uh, Master Kyler. Uh, <laughs> oh. um, but just thinking back about like business plans and iteration, like, and just remembering seeing Devon post about the process, post about the Kickstarter. Uh, I'm a proud owner of the first edition of like play black wall street. Uh, I still got that thing in the plastic. Cause I was like, nah, this is going to be huge. So I need to make sure I got the first edition, second edition. And what is it? The ultimate edition, premium edition, masterpiece, masterpiece edition, the, the ultimate yeah, the the black box yeah the masterpiece the, the ultimate yeah we gotta work on that no, that's the next one <laughs> hey well masterpiece ultimate edition i i think the game is beautiful um and i'm not i'm definitely not opening the masterpiece edition that one just gotta it's never gonna see the light a day <laughs> smart move smart move literally literally um some some of my uh one of my students i don't know if you knew them. her name was uh wahida she's a, a teacher but she took a trip on the uh, underground railroad passage uh, shout out to, to Hardy Brown that takes folks out there every single year. And they went to a museum in Detroit and they had the second edition of Black Wall Street, the board oh, wow. inside of the museum. Um, we didn't know this. I, yeah, we, we, did, we didn't know. So I don't know if they, they bought it from us at some point or they bought it secondhand from someone else, but it's inside the museum. Uh, when you go to the museum in Tulsa, in Greenwood, uh, you see our our name on there as well. Play Black Wall Street as one of the donors and they give out the games or they used to. They probably ran mm. out by now. Give out the game to people who come. Um, and then I have another friend out in Atlanta who also has a, a growing museum. He has the first edition. No, no, no. I sent him the second edition and the masterpiece edition to put his Eric mm. to put in his museum. So like it's already, it's just, it's crazy to think about. Like it's already a part of African-American history of mm. black kids in these museums. Uh, so yeah, if you have the, the first edition, definitely don't open that. Definitely keep it, keep it tucked. You have the masterpiece edition. Definitely don't open that. Only 3000 will ever be made because we have license agreements with the artists. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's dope. It's dope. Yeah, that's really dope. But I want to hear you talk a little bit about what that process was like iterating the different editions of Play Black Wall Street, because I think that a lot of times for first time business owners or people who have an idea, they want to come out with a perfect version of the idea that's going to be the one that makes them a millionaire. So I want to hear a little bit about that journey from like the idea of Play Black Wall Street to the final version of the game to the second edition of the game. Oh, yeah. So we started off with our MVP 
All right, we teach this in our class, minimum viable product MVP. And our MVP was literally a cutout U-Haul box in the shape of a circle, right? Because at first we were thinking unity, Black Wall Street, we wanted to be in a circle to represent that unity. So boom, cardboard box shaped out in a circle and a Sharpie marker to draw out all of the, the pieces on the board. And thumbtacks uh, for and, pieces. And thumbtacks for the pawns. We uh, used PowerPoint for like the draw cards. And then we stole dice from this small game called Monopoly. We we're like, eh, Monopoly don't need them dice. Let's don't nobody play that. Oh, don't, don't play Monopoly no more. Play Black Wall Street. Come on now. Um, so that was the first iteration of it. We played that. It worked. We we're like, okay, this, this concept can work. We then elevated just a little bit. I did a little promotion. Still circle. Went to Walmart. Where we go? Oh, you go to Walmart. You go to Walmart. <laughs> Told you, this. This is us. Uh, it got a printout from Walmart, so it was nice and laminated and stuff. Still the same pieces. Still thumbtacks. Still PowerPoint. Still the dice from <clears throat> Monopoly. Um. So then again, we're like, all right, this works. But I can't draw, Kyler. No, he can't. It's not my gift. I don't. I don't. I don't draw well. All right. So I, I hooked up with my man Markel. Uh, he's a dope graphic artist, dope artist, period. And I was like, Kel, this is what I want to do. We're trying to make this board game, but it needs to live up to the legacy of Tulsa Black Wall Street. So this little cutout ain't going to work. I need you to work your magic and make some nice graphic design, and we'll become partners within this board game. So that's why when you see the first edition of the game, you see his logo also on the board. Mm. Right? So you see the rare logo and then you see the True Hell Forever logo because back then, still True Hell Forever. And then, of course, Black Wall Street, the board game. Um, so from there, that's where we see the first iteration of a rectangle board. And it turned rectangle because we started talking to manufacturers and they're like, yeah, bro, it's got to be kind of expensive to do a circle because if we cut it out in a circle, there's a lot of wasted cardboard. Mm -hmm. Can't do nothing with it. Hadn't occurred to us before. We were like, we want a circle, unity. But they're, they're like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's not going to work for your budget. So we ended up going with a, a rectangle board, um, got Markel's graphics on there, uh, reached out to the Tulsa Historic Society. Yeah, I think it's Tulsa Historic Society. I don't know if it's society, but I don't remember. What it is. Re reached out to them to get some pictures that we can use for the the board that signified the history and the like the day in the life of Greenwood, Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Uh, of course, did all the research on finding real businesses during that time, the cut color coding of the markets. Uh, and in case you haven't played the game, when you're going through it, there's real businesses around the board, right? Sinclair, I know you know some of the businesses. Go ahead and flex a little bit. What what's one business? Madam C J Walker's Beauty Salon. Uh huh. Uncle Steve's Barbecue. Uh huh. And Williams Dreamland Theater. Boom. So those examples are of, of a few, right? Madam C.J. Walker being in the hair industry. So we have Madam C.J. Walker, Carter's Barbershop, uh, Uncle Steve's Barbecue on there, example of a restaurant, Girlie's Puff's Hotel. Cafe, Gurley's Hotel, founded after or named after O.W. Gurley, one of the founders of Tulsa's Black Wall Street. So when you're going around, there's real businesses in real markets and industries. Um, so, yeah, that's how the first edition was was created. Um, we did get some good feedback. Oh, no, let me backtrack. That's how the prototype was created, mm -hmm. right? So the MVP was cardboard. Then we made 25 prototype games and gave that to some community members to get feedback. One of the best pieces of feedback that we got was what, Sinclair? That was from a, the prototype? That was from the prototype. Oh. Um, So the it was color-coded. 
um, similar to the other, you know, other board games. Um, Different markets like the beauty salons, the restaurants were all color coded. One was purple, one was blue, one was red. Um, But we did not think about folks who are colorblind. Mm. And we had a family reach out and was like, I don't know what are the different markets. Like, I don't know it, which market I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a part of, we can't tell the difference. And so we were like, oh, they're color coded. And we were like, oh, well, we're actually colorblind. We don't know the difference. And we were like, mm. wow, never would have thought about mm. that. Right. Mm. We have the blessing of being able to see colors. So we didn't think about that, but that's why that customer feedback is so important and kind of get, just getting the idea out there. If we had just made 3000 copies of this, right. That would have been tragic. Um, but getting that feedback, um, you know, early on allowed us to, to then create icons. So for like the, you know, the, the restaurants, I think it's the fork and knife mm-hmm. crossing for the beauty salon. It's a uh, pair of scissors. Pair of scissors. Yeah. Um, you know, the restaurants have their own symbol. So, as you're going around the board, not only do you know from the color now, but you also see the different symbols. Um, so yeah, just those little things that help just elevate it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, huge huge nugget right there. Yeah. Um, and then so that was the prototype. So from there, after we got the customer feedback, we made the the rule book, which people never read. Kyler, <laughs> oh <laughs> they, they never read that. Like for the first edition, I was getting so many text messages, phone calls. I'm pretty sure you might have called me at one point. I know Vern was calling me, Kari was calling, like everyone was calling me. Like, how do you play? How do you play? I was like, we have a rule book, y'all. But you know, anyway, um, I digress. So that's the first edition of the game. Second edition, we didn't change too much. We did change manufacturers um, a little bit higher quality. Yes, I hold that when you hold this one. Um, so we, as you, if you're watching the visuals again, a quick plug, definitely go over to YouTube, tap into the visuals because you know we doing our thing over here. Yeah. So shout out to Kyler with that Laker shirt on. Um, but the first edition has the the one stripe in the middle, history facts, nothing on the back. And Black Wall Street, the board game on the sides. The second edition, model it for us, Sinclair. Yes. We've got the two yellow stripes going Ooh. down the middle. Ooh. We've got the mm. map, the Ooh. timeline of what actually occurred leading up to the creation of Black Wall Street, as well as what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then the same Black Wall Street here with the two yellow stripes. Oh, yeah. For us, one of the main um kind of motivators for creating the game was a lot of people when you talk about black wall street they only know about the bombing they only know Mm -hmm. about the massacre and that it was destroyed but they don't know about the 40 years of excellence before the massacre they don't know about the 40 years of excellence after the massacre before urban renewal and there's a lot of lessons in history and entrepreneurs that you can learn from in that history um, so that's why we have the roadmap dating back all the way from 1838 with the Trail of Tears all the way through 19, probably 50 or 40 with Urban Renewal. Um, and then inside of the second edition of the rule book, we wanted to beef up our educational swag in there. Right. So the first edition has some key turns, which the queen led. It has a few examples of like LLC structures and articles of incorporation, again, to give folks if they're playing the game and they feel motivated. Like, yeah, I want to start Madam Chichet Walker Beauty Salon. Well, you can't start that because you don't own that intellectual property. But I want to start a business. Then it's like, cool, go to the rule book. And there's literally things that you can do in the rule book to get you started. We wanted to take that to the next level. So in the second edition of the game, there's literally a a graphic on different intellectual properties, a graphic on different business structures. There's an activity in there that takes you through, okay, what's your business idea? Who's your audience? What's the problem you're solving? What's going to be your MVP? What's the product? What's the business model? 
So literally inside this rule book is a million dollars worth of game that you get for $45 by buying Black Wall Street, the board game. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the second edition. Different manufacturer, higher quality, and a, a more keen focus on education. Because at this point, Kyler, we had also found out that our main customer base is homeschooling parents. Mm. Realized that, okay, parents are using this for education. We were like, okay, well, let's make this a all-in-one tool. We want you to be able to play this game, have fun in this game, and then also have activities you can do with your kids with this game, everything in one box. Everything in one box for only $45, you're saying? Only $45. And people tell us all the time, literally when we're tabling, that's it? Right. That's that's all? Oh, let me buy this right now. Yeah, I'll get it. So only $45. We're not going to increase the prices, y'all. $45 for the second edition. Now, you know, it's a little bit of a different game, my brother, when we talking about this masterpiece. Right? Oh, trust me. I know I paid for it. <laughs> yes, you did. And we appreciate you. We appreciate it. Um, are, we, are we good to keep talking about the masterpiece? You let me yeah, know. Yeah, keep, keep cooking. Okay, we cooking. So if you don't know, unfortunately, Tulsa's Black Wall Street was bombed and there was a violent massacre. Over 600 businesses burned down to the ground. Countless people lost their lives. Very, very sad and very disheartening as an American citizen, right? This happened May 31st, June 1st, 1921. So in our heads, we started making the board games in 2017, right? This is four years before the 100th year commemoration of the massacre. So by the, we, we had in our head already, we wanted to do something special for 2021. So when we got to the year 2020, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do to make... 2021 a standout year and do whatever we can to not only put more eyes on the legacy of Tulsa Black Wall Street but really uplift black excellence and the history uh so we came up with the idea of oh let's make a a masterpiece we want this and that's the I think that's the word that kept coming up like we, we want it to be a masterpiece we want it to be a work of art so and then we just ended up calling it the masterpiece edition and with this game if you're looking at the visuals you see it but if you're watching or listening on the audio experience it's a all black box, pretty hefty. It's going to weigh about maybe three, four pounds. It has gold font and edges on it. You got Black Wall Street, the board game along the box. And then it says real people, real businesses, and real possibilities, right? Uh, on the back, we have the gold map and then a portrait as like a sneak peek. We have a portrait of O.W. Gurley, right? Again, noted as the founder of Tulsa's Black Wall Street. And inside of the rule book, or sorry, no, inside of the rule book, too, there's a whole gallery of different paintings that were commissioned specifically for this game. And on the beautiful board, it's a big square board. You play it in a circle. So we came back to our original idea. The board is square. I know you don't know because you haven't opened up your box, Kyler. <laughs> the board is square. I watch your videos. I know what it looks oh. like. <laughs> much love, much love. Uh, but yeah, the board, the board is square, but you move in a circle again to bring back that sense of unity that we wanted to do at the very beginning. And then on the board, instead of using pictures from uh, Tulsa Historical Society, we actually got again paintings from the community. So we have a, a portrait of O.W. Gurley. We have someone else that did a portrait of Vice President Kamala Harris. We have a picture of Kobe Bryant. We have multiple pictures within one, like a montage of Chadwick Boseman. Um, and then there's other like abstract stuff on there as well, all representing either Black excellence or the artist's vision of what Black Wall Street can be in the future. 
Um, there is a really cool futuristic one in there. Oh yeah, that's done by PJ. That's my cousin right there. Yeah. Shout out to PJ. Come on, family. Um, but yeah, we really wanted to, you know, again, uplift the legacy of Tulsa Black Wall Street for the hundredth year commemoration of the massacre. But also, how can we bring more people into this journey with us? How can we uplift other people's talents? And it's dope that we're still in communication with some of the artists that we uh, work with for the Masterpiece Edition. Um, we're working on a future project with some of those artists as well. So it was just dope. And it was a kind of a essence of Black Wall Street. Like, let's come together. Let's build this game together. Let's all use our talents to pay homage. Wasn't there one of the artists that was like, oh, from that I got something else and that kind of started my whole like... Yeah, so Sherard uh, X, shout out to Sherard X. Uh, he submitted, uh, I think it was the Black Bayou it's just a dope, dope piece. And that piece got featured in multiple museums. Mm. So we have the original piece, but he's redone the piece. He's replicated it, I think, two or three times now. And it's been placed in different museums and different galleries. Um, he just did a portrait of the 305 show, 805 show. What's that com comedy show that has uh, Carlos on it and the other dude... You know like yeah something south 85 south show is that 85 it 85 south show yes so he just did a portrait for them and his portrait is on the the background of their podcast set um and he was just like you know you're you were my first like real uh jump back into art and like my first big commission and just thank you and he's just yeah sure shout out to Strahd. dope dope dude very humble and uh we're doing a, another partnership with him very soon um, but yeah, it was just dope to, again, be able to uplift the legacy of Tulsa Black Wall Street while giving artists a platform and uplifting Black art um, and then just giving a lot of value, a lot of game inside that rule book that everybody should read. Hmm. Thanks. <laughs> everybody should read the rule book. So if you're listening to this podcast, just we should start reading rule books, y'all. Like, let's before you ask the question, at least, because that's one of my pet peeves. Too, it's like, oh, how do you do this? I'm like, oh, did you read the 10 page manual with step by step instructions? Because it's like we really tried to think about like what questions would someone Literally. have and put them in there. And, and yeah, then we still get, I promise you, we'll be like sitting at dinner some random day and somebody will call, I'm like, wait. What does this card mean? Yeah, it's like that that card is literally inside the rule book. Why? Because 38,000 people asked that question. Oh man, but yeah, while while I do joke about the calls, like it is like still refreshing when when yeah. people call and they're like, "Oh, I'm playing the game right now. What do I do here?" or they text, "I'm playing this. What do I do?" It's still like, "Ah, people are playing the game. Like mm -hmm. it's it's actually out there and people are enjoying." Yeah, they want to hear you say what the rule is, though, because y'all made this game. It's like, nah, my homies made this. I be flexing on it all the time. They be like, oh, what game is that? It's like, oh, the homie made this. Like, oh, yeah. yo, homie make board games? Like, yeah, you ain't, you ain't got this game? What? Let's go. <laughs> Literally the other day, uh, one of our friends, Bottle, was, was playing the game during New Year's Eve. They played for like four hours. Like, it was a whole melee. Um, and then he told his kids that he knew the creator, and they didn't believe him. So then he called and it was New Year's Eve. So I didn't answer because I was doing New Year's Eve things. Uh, but and then like the next day, hey, you know, we we like we like to have fun too. We talked yeah. about like, balance. We talked about balance. We were doing New Year's Eve things. Um, but I called back the next day and then yeah, I talked to he had nine kids, talked to all this, all the kids. They had their own questions about the game and about business. Um, and it gave me a lot of a lot of joy, a lot of energy, like from four years old to I think like 15 years old. And it was just dope to see and visualize an entire beautiful black family on New Year's Eve, just 
playing our game. Like it's just it's dope. Still doesn't get old. It's also really cool when we're in random spaces and like we'll have the game and somebody like will be like, oh hey, I have that I game. That. And like I don't even know that they know that like <laughs> he created the game. They don't. But they'll just be like, oh, I have that game. Like that that part is really cool too. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know you, but somehow <laughs> you know you have the game. Yeah. Um, so that's I think that we probably really like that too, because it shows that our marketing is working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That part. That part. Hey, we love affirmations of all the hard work that's going and being put into what you're what you're doing your craft uh, i think we've given a lot of free nuggets on this podcast about creating a business the process uh the bumps and bruises along the road i want to yeah. make sure i save some of the wisdom for when they tune into y'all's podcast as well uh because yeah. i know y'all got a lot cooking like there's a lot on the play black wall street website because uh, we didn't even talk about like the Black History Adventures of Rose and Rodney yet. Y'all got lessons that y'all are doing, YouTube videos. So I want to encourage the listeners, one, to make sure y'all are supporting Play Black Wall Street. Check out the YouTube page and we'll have space for y'all to plug that at the end of the episode. Uh, but one thing I really want to make sure that we talk about before we close out this episode, because I kind of, I, so I'll just walk the listeners through what, what my day was like. So okay. usually I wake up in the morning check whatever notifications i miss like oh who hit the buzzer beater last night uh what news articles what's the weather like and so i saw this bleacher report notification and it was like drew holiday gifts blah 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 i was like i'll, I'll, I'll read that later um but then i was on facebook and i see devon's post and i was like drew holiday gets play i was like wait what and yeah. so I opened this article. And for those of y'all who don't watch, who I, I always be assuming everybody just know who Drew Holiday is. Drew Holiday is the point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. And there is an article that I read where Drew Holiday gifted play Black Wall Street to every player in the National Basketball Association. And when I say when I was reading the article, I was like, that's the that's Devon, right? Like, I said St. Clair, like that's play i have this game and so i was like yo like congratulations i started sending people the article i was like yo like damn the article like my friend did this like that's that's dope so i want to i want to hear from both of y'all just what that was like just the process of hearing about drew holiday wanting to gift the games to nba players uh some of the press around it the media publicity just what what was that like because for me as a hoops head like i was like oh devonna made it i, I gotta get him on i gotta get him on the banquet hall before he get too big for the little people <laughs> Hey, if you got my number, never too big. Uh, but I let the queen tell a majority of this story because she did a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, so uh, we were blessed with, uh, well, it started with the king uh, applying for the grant for Drew and Lauren Holiday's uh, social impact fund. Um, and so there's so many layers to this. He learned about it from a student of his, a past mm. student of his, of Play Black Wall Street Academy, who started her own business. She's like 12 or something. Yeah, right? she's 14 now. 14 now, but she was wow. 12. Um, started her own business um, and 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 applied for this grant and got it. And she was like, hey, Mr. Walker, you should apply. So we were like, okay. So he applied. We got the grant. Um, so we got $10,000. And there were so many other things that came with it. But long story short, the uh, JLH or the Drew and Lauren Holiday Fund, um, they had a reunion for all of the businesses that they have supported within the Los Angeles area. Um, and so he, he unfortunately had a meeting. So I I went to represent us. And if you know, like he, y'all can probably like, he, you know, get from these energies. He's like the Make social Right, right, right. He's the social one. He's the people person, right? He's, he's, he's him. He's him. He's everything that you're getting from this. He is. 
Okay, so I'm like the behind the scenes, you know, social timer is going to run out any minute now (laughs) type of person. Um, So I was very nervous to go and represent our company. I also, this is really the first year that I'm really getting my hands dirty in the company. Like Mm -hmm. I said, it was kind of like, hey, can you, can you write this rule book? Can you, uh, you know, support here and there? Um, But this year is really the first year that I was like, oh, I'm in Play Black Mm -hmm. Wall Street. I got a role. We doing this. Um, And so, yeah, to be like going to this event and representing us was super nerve wracking. But I walk up. And it was like one of those where in the circle, you're going to go around and, you know, as, as a suit, basically, as soon as I walked up, it was my turn. And so um, I talk about play black wall sheet. I talk about, you know, how thankful I am and we are for, for the JLH fund. I had a game in hand and I was like, you know, (laughs) I was so nervous that I finished talking and I was like, okay, all right. And I realized I still had the game in my hand and I was like, the other person was about to talk and I was like, oh, wait, 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 this game is for you. This game is for you. And they were like, we were wondering if you were going to give us the game. I was like, yeah, this is for you. So uh, he was super excited, but everybody finished up. And so I went up to Drew afterwards and I was like, hey, just wanted to, again, thank you so much. I hope you all enjoy the game. You know, I hope you win. I was the first person who won. So I hope you win. She um, rubs that in every time. I do. I was like, say subtle flex. You know, like the first four yeah. times we played, I'm just saying. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> not the hair flip <laughs> um but he was just like man he's like this is this i really like this game and he's like i was like okay i, I could tell he had like his reels turning like he was thinking something so i'm just kind of standing there like cool well yeah you know thank you again so much and he's like so you got like a couple hundred of these like you got a lot of these and we were like yeah like we got a whole warehouse they're, they're definitely we got we got a lot of them he's like okay I think I might want to like gift these to some people. And I was like, okay, for sure. Like whatever you, whatever you want to do, we got it. And he's like, yeah, like maybe like my team. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Sure. It's, say, say less. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's nearly getting excited to when I get to call Devon and be like, guess what? <laughs> um, so we didn't like iron out all of the details there, but he was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to have, you know, have somebody contact you. Me again, being all nervous. I hand him a card that meant, that man ain't going. I know he has people for that, but it was just yeah. like a natural thing to do. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, you know, he had to contact us or whatever. Um, so then we ended up talking to the people who run run his fund, and they were like, Yeah, so um Drew and Lauren Holiday want to purchase a board game for everybody in the NBA. And they were like, You have like 500 of those, right? And we were like, he, Yeah, yeah, we do for y'all. Yeah, we have them. He's <laughs> like, We'll make them right now if you need right, me to. Right, right. Say less. <laughs> right. So they're like, yeah, for Christmas, we want to send these out to every, all of the teams. And so it was a, a very obvious yes. I was super excited to have been, again, the person there to even receive that information. Um, but yeah, after that, it was like, okay, how do we make this happen? Let's, let's, let's make it shake. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of other legwork that had to go into like creating the, the nice other graphics um, and things that were included in that package. Um, but it was a really humbling experience to see like wow he thinks this is good enough to gift to all of the players in the nba mm-hmm. uh that 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 itself like just the gesture of wanting to yeah. get that product meant so much it was kind of crazy to think about like wow this same game that's on all ourselves that like created is about to be on the shelves hopefully you know the shelves or the the shell the the what called the bins or whatever of mm-hmm. all of you know, very high profile, like successful people out mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah, that, that part has been pretty crazy. Oh yeah. And I would say we literally had a 
a time and this is when i think we were putting in all the orders and i think we were you know no they, they hadn't shipped yet but we were just like is our game really about to be in the nba right like, it was just a very surreal moment like again yeah. coming from a failed kickstarter mm-hmm. coming from struggling to to get folks to to see this as a valuable product coming from being in an incubator program where venture capitalists were telling us that you know folks wouldn't buy this game because it was black and it was just yeah, it's coming from all of that. And then now, too, we're about to sell and distribute 500 or so games to every player in the NBA. Like, it was just unfathomable. Like, I think there, was, there wasn't there was a moment in our journey where we even dreamed that. Right. Like, we, we I, our dream was, like, let's get it to, like, we're, we still have the dream of let's get it to every Black household, which is which is big in itself. But, yeah, just schools, get schools for sure. But... Yeah, the NBA was never even on the on the roadmap. So that was just dope. And if I can say one one more last thing, one uplifting the queen even more, but two going back to the whole concept of how powerful it is to have a partner and to be married in this journey. Because in another reality, I made the game, but I had that, mm. and I couldn't go mm. to the reunion. Mm-hmm. So Drew never got the game. And because Drew never got the game in hand and got to see it, he never bought the 500 and then whatever other blessings are going to come after this whole NBA situation, we would have never got. Mm-hmm. In another reality, Sinclair may have been working her nine to five job and she couldn't go to the thing. But the fact that in this reality that we've manifested today, she quit her nine to five to go full time and play Black Wall Street. She believed in myself believed in the company enough to do that she got over her i don't want to be naturally social and like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna drive all the way out to la i'm gonna represent our brand i'm gonna hand him a game and i'm going to represent the company today and figure out what can happen is leading to everything else afterwards so uh yeah one find yourself a partner and two persistence don't let that that one barrier of oh i can't make it so it's not gonna happen no like can your partner make it can you make it virtually can you reschedule how can you make that blessing happen yes that's good no problem man what a story come on come on look at it look at her and and y'all maintain the cornea she's blushing i love this this is (laughs) this is so sweet uh this should have been the valentine's day episode at this point hey look you can you can schedule it (laughs) (laughs) Hey, in order for me to schedule that, though, the listeners got to give you all some love. Uh, people got to share this podcast episode mm-hmm. buy the board game. Listen to y'all's podcast. Uh, this has been a fantastic episode so far. And before I close out, I just have a couple of quick hitters. But uh, before I even get to the quick hitters, I just want to say, like, I'm so proud to see the journey from Kickstarter. Now, like, I will never forget looking at the Kickstarter, sharing the Kickstarter and just to see you and hear both of you just talk about the NBA as just part of the, like not even part of the dream to being a key component of y'all's reality right now. I think that's, that's just amazing. And just like the hard work that y'all put into this, like, I think just want to say congratulations on behalf of all the listeners. And hopefully y'all also have taken plenty of time to really sit in that accomplishment too, because we're talking about the national basketball association here. Like I, bonkers to me like when i saw that i was like literally oh devon's made it sinclair made it like y'all 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 did the thing because best believe i will i would just be telling everybody i saw i go to mcdonald's let me get a number one um yeah my board game just got picked up by the national basketball association (laughs) by the way by the way how are you (laughs) by the way like oh what y'all doing like y'all trying to play this board game that the nba each nba player (laughs) on um 
I would have also I would have went right on MilwaukeeBucks.com, got me a Drew Holiday jersey real quick. <laughs> yep. So I mean, I think we we did have like a, a little moment to reflect and really be like, dang, this is this is dope. But I feel like the unfortunate thing is, and maybe I perceive it as unfortunate, but in order to really, you know, capitalize and use the momentum of the partnership with the NBA, we now need to make sure that we're on podcast episodes mm-hmm. we're get more out. We need to make sure we're running ads. We need to uh, create a whole bunch of video assets. We need to do go back and forth with the JLH team on mm-hmm. follow-up meetings and feedback. So I think we haven't had a real time to digest it yet because we're still trying to make sure that that's not one moment that we right. take one moment. We count compound that into the millions or compound that into the impact that we want to make. So we still got some, some more exciting things that we hope to do with, with other sports leagues. Or we hope to do more with Drew and Lauren holiday, more with families. Uh, this was definitely a dope, not stepping stone. This was a dealt milestone milestone, milestone mm-hmm. for, for playback wall street, but we'll, we'll take a, a nice, long breather in march and we can we can tell you what we're doing in march maybe offline unless the queen wants to tell you offline but we're gonna do we're gonna take a nice breath and enjoy all the things in march but yeah i think i think to your point um i think the other thing about it too is the reality is we do have we do have a team of people who help support us but like the day-to-day is is us too and so you know we're already back to the grind where literally tomorrow he's going to start going back into the schools and Mm -hmm. teaching which is kind of the other big portion of our business and kind of a shift that we made and maybe that's a whole follow-up that we can come back on the podcast and talk about (laughs) um but you know, we it, it's like back to the grind, right? Back to back to the stuff that that's got to pay the bills. Yeah. So, but we do absolutely need to kind of take a step back and strategize on how we really capitalize on this this moment that has come. And again, to to make sure it is not just a moment, right? To make yeah. sure that it is it is a stepping stone to something greater. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think throughout this episode, there's been plenty of nuggets of wisdom and words of advice. But if I could ask each of you to give, yeah, quick thumbs up, like y'all, y'all do the podcasting thing, y'all, y'all are naturals at this. Uh, but if you could give words of advice to someone who's looking to start a business with their partner, what would each of you say? Mm. Let's see. I want. I want to think about it. They're gonna start a business with their partner. I got mine. Go ahead. Um. If, I think it's this is something that anybody in a relationship should do, but I think it's even more critical if you're going to start a professional relationship now with your partner is know who you are and know who the other person is. And I think one of the best ways to do that is through like assessments, right? Uh, things, it can be really simple, like l- the five love languages, that's free online. Um, but even like a disc assessment or a Myers-Briggs or like some type of like, there's 50 million different personality tests out there. Um, I think what that does is, again, not only get to know you better, but it allow allows you to better delegate the roles in the business. So if, if I know he's this type of person and I'm this type of person, right, he's more of like the uh, emotional, the energy, the driver, like he's the engine, uh, whereas I'm the thinker, I'm the analytical, I'm the uh, like the strategist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those both have their strengths if we really harness them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we 
that wasn't something that we did before starting the business, but I think after we did, it definitely allowed us, I think, to, to go to the next level and allowed us to better delegate um, who's doing what. Um, so it's not just random anymore. It's like, okay, this is a task that makes more sense for you or for me, or this role makes more sense for you or for me. Um, I think that that's really critical if you're going to start a business with your partner um, so that you can Again, it's oh, it's going to help your personal relationship as well, but there's so much that goes into a professional relationship with your partner that I think that that really helps so you can kind of keep some of the emotional aspect out of it and again, make really logical decisions on how your business should be run. That's good. That's real good. So much time to think about. I did. I'm trying to not say the same thing that you're saying. Wow, at first, um, it was like a, uh, I was like, this is good. I need- <laughs> See how she do me, y'all? Hey. It's the strategist. What was that laugh? I, I realized I was kind of sounding like an evil laugh, so I uh, just capitalized on it. Uh, uh, I got you. You said that's the strategist? Yeah, very much so. Um, so I, I was going to say just like having the clearly defined roles based on the gifts, based on your talents, which you covered very well. Uh, the le- next thing I would say is I like creating value-based businesses personally um so this is like businesses where we we sit down and we and we literally kind of did this the other day but like these are our family values right health wealth afrocentricity um love family these are our family values that we hold dear to us what business can we form that allows us to live in these principles live in these values provide value to the community while also generating income and generating wealth for us. Um, so what I like to tell couples is figure out what, what do y'all like to do as a couple? For us, we like to travel. So something that we we do and we just did uh, for New Year's, we, we did an M4 experience, all right? The M4 show, Melanie Mary Millionaires. We did an M4 experience up in the Bay where folks from Atlanta came through. Shout out to y'all. We had people from Riverside, people from Lancaster, a few folks from Sacramento came and we just had a nice fun weekend talking about wealth talking about our goals making brunch having fun talking about love talking about masculinity talking about femininity like it was a very holistic experience and that's something that we would have done anyway right right so now we're figuring out how can we create a larger platform so we can have these m4 experiences in ghana in jamaica in costa rica in nigeria um, because that's something that we like to do we love travel we love food um so yeah i would say one for that couple, what what are your values? What are those core principles for y'all? Have those written down. Those can easily become your core principles for your business. And then two, what are those activities that y'all like to do as a couple? And how can you actually monetize those specific activities? Adding on to that, I guess a benefit, I think, to to choosing like a value-based business or or creating a business that already encompasses something you like to do, it makes those hard days so much easier. I don't want to say easier because they're still hard, but probably less hard if it was a business you're not truly passionate about, right? If you were just doing a business strictly to make money, it makes it extremely hard to make it past those obstacles. If you don't have a really strong why for what you're doing, why you're, you know, what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Whereas again, if you have like a value-based or something that you feel very strongly about together or something that again, you're already doing and now let's just monetize it. um, It makes those days a little bit easier to get through because we're doing something we love, right? Yeah. This uh, planning group trips is not easy, but at the end of the day, 
it's it's like something we would have done anyways. So it's like if this is if this is what we're gonna call our business, then this is this is cool. We 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 that here, part. we live in that part. Um, you know, traveling is something we're gonna do anyway. So how can we figure out how to incorporate travel into our business, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's big on teaching and financial literacy and this impact. So, you know, on those days when it is not all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. So on those days when it's really hard, we think back to, you know, the the family, Bottles family, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the him and his nine kids playing for four hours and the impact that that's making. We think about the Aaliyahs, which, who's the four, now 14 year old who started her own business. Um, I just saw her pop up on Instagram somewhere. Right. So like we think about those days, I think it makes it so much easier to to make it through those those cloudy days, those sure. obstacles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful way to end the podcast. I think there were a lot of great nuggets throughout the episode, a lot that I learned, a lot that inspired me. So I'm going to claim that it's been a billion dollar day thanks to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Before I let both of you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, uh, the final question is just where can people find you and how can people support you? Queens lead. I'll go with the podcast. So one more plug for the podcast, The Melanated Married Millionaires in the Making, a.k.a. The M4 Show. You can go to www.themforshow.com. That is T-H-E, the number, the, the number M, mm-hmm. the letter M, the number four, and then show.com. And you can see all everywhere where our podcast is is uh, is housed, as well as our YouTube channel. More about us, all that fun stuff. Yes, ma'am. Um, and then after you follow the M4 show, definitely make sure y'all tap in and go to playblackwallstreet.com, playblackwallstreet.com. It is spelled the way you think it's spelled. And on there, you can tap into our YouTube channel, our Instagram account and everything like that. We like to give people very, very direct action items, right? Go to that website, follow everything, go to this website, follow everything. And we look forward to tapping in with y'all. Perfect. Nice and to the point uh, for the homies listening to this podcast. If you want to play Black Wall Street, the second edition, y'all know where to find me. Uh, but Devon <laughs> Sinclair, I want to thank y'all for y'all's time this evening. This was a fantastic episode. Uh, y'all got me ready to run through a wall and get some things going. So I want to thank y'all for tuning into this episode of the Banquet Hall and we'll catch y'all on the flip side. Peace.